You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Hello and welcome everybody to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. My name is Joe Hopkins. I am joined by Matt Adams. It is Monday here in Indianapolis and the Colts have fallen to 5-3 and three after a very disappointing 26-24 loss in Pittsburgh to the Steelers. And let's just go ahead and start with the biggest takeaway. Of course, losing the contest is uh, not something Colts fans want to see, but losing Jacoby Brissett is even worse. Um, reports are that he has suffered a sprained MCL, so definitely could have been a lot worse. Um, it happened in the second quarter when guard Quentin Nelson was pushed back onto Brissett's knee. Brissett at that point was playing a good game. He was 4 for 5 for 59 yards. His availability for next Sunday's game against the Dolphins is uncertain. The team is awaiting an MRI per our own Mike Chappell. Um, it's risky to compare injuries, but Chappell says this could be similar to what Aaron Rodgers had in 2018. He suffered it week one against the Bears. Played the rest of the year, but really his mobility was limited for the remainder of the season. Matt? How does this change how you see the Colts season going forward from here on out? Well, I, I mean, the one thing that, that Brissett has given the Colts is a steady presence under center. And if that requires him to pass for 300 yards in a, in a week and throw the ball 45 times, he can do that. If that requires him to hand the ball off 30 times, he can do that. I don't know that a whole lot changes philosophically for the Colts because I think one thing that we did see, and this is going to be kind of a downer show because of the way that the team played yesterday, a game that they should have won, could have won, if they just had not, you know, they just couldn't get out of their own way yesterday. But it does show us this defense has enough pieces in it to hold some teams down and keep them in the game. They're not like a, a great dominant defense, but they can they can hold the line. The offense can usually get enough points to keep you in the game as well, and they kind of need those key moments to go their way. I don't think any of that really changes. I mean, they move the ball, and, and this is not a great Pittsburgh team. It's not a great Pittsburgh defense like we've seen in the past. Certainly not a great Pittsburgh offense by any stretch of the imagination. But the Colts were still able, with Hoyer under center, able to move the ball up and down the field. So... I, and I think they'd been able to do the same thing with Brissett. Now, what you what you do lose with Brissett not being in there is that escapability. Uh, Hoyer got sacked four times. Some of them were pretty much guy in the backfield right away, no chance. A couple of them were, well, you know, maybe if Brissett's in there, he can sort of shrug off that tackle and maybe find somebody. I think that's probably the difference that you're going to see between the two quarterbacks. Yeah, you certainly have to think if that was Hoyer back there uh, the week previous against Denver – um, Von Miller gets that sack right, and exactly, ends the game. Exactly. We don't we don't see those big plays where he's just able to shrug off a 250 pound defender and throw the ball downfield. I don't think Hoyer's just not as athletically gifted and strong and big as Jacoby Brissett is. Absolutely. Um, I- anyone can uh, you know really can make that assertion from watching them play there. It- it's really disappointing. Jacoby really the lifeblood of this team especially the offense and for him to go down like that is uh tough for Colts fans to see we'll have to see throughout the week and we'll have an update for you on the Wednesday show as far as the degree of his injury if he 
has a chance to play this Sunday. You'd have to think this Sunday is pretty soon. Yeah, um, I, I would say so. I mean, Malik Hooker, his his injury was an MCL injury, if I'm uh, thinking right. And now he had a procedure on his. He did, and, and so he, you know, I, I think it was a tear. So um, he had to have surgery for that, and it took kept him out a few weeks. This is a sprain, so that's that's good news, at least for from what we know now. Um, I know that Brissett said after the game he was really uh, they were really concerned about his ability to move laterally, which when you're talking mm-hmm. about dropping back as a quarterback, that's that's the, that's, that's your whole the game. Main thing you that's do. what you do. So um, if he's limited in any form in that, then as you mentioned with the Aaron Rodgers injury that he had, you know, uh, last year, it limits your ability to move around. So I think you hold him out next week. And hope that, you know, a couple weeks he's able to, to heal up and play. Now, Brissett's a tough guy. And if the doctors clear him and he thinks he can play, he'll play. But I think they do need to be careful with him. And I'm not trying to imply with the Colts that they're going to be fine with Brian Hoyer at quarterback. But what I'm saying is the Colts' team philosophy I don't think changes a whole lot depending upon who's under center. No, because the, you know, after Luck retires somewhat you know suddenly does mm-hmm. the team yep. kind of had an idea about it for a few weeks but retire suddenly the whole offense and everything was you, you got things scaled back to some degree for Brissett already um you saw in recent weeks they kind of opened it up for him and now you're, you're kind of in the same scenario right. just with a different person D- with different Boyer. guy um and honestly aside from a few mistakes which we'll get into a little bit later Hoyer played well and you showed why he's one of the better backups in the league he showed why um Chris Ballard went out and made the move to acquire him and then signed him to I believe like three years 12 close to 12 million so they valued Hoyer and they went out and picked him out specifically for this reason because injuries do happen in the NFL um coming up next is the Dolphins who Sure, they just got their first. Say that they the accidentally season. they accidentally won a game this week. They did. Did you see? They gave their coach a Gatorade bath after <laughs> the, winning their first game. But you never want to look over any team, that's for sure. But you got to think if the Colts at home with Hoyer, they should be able to handle the Dolphins as long as they don't make um, the kind of mistakes they made in this game. Unfortunately, this was not the only. Injury plaguing the Colts no, in this game. No, 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 um, Kind of popped up a little late. T.Y. Hilton suffered a non-contact calf injury uh, Wednesday in practice. He did not play against the Steelers. Um, the injury was kind of announced Thursday when he didn't practice, and they kind of had to talk about it because questions were being right, asked. Right. What's Why his, is what's he his not status practicing? for the game on Sunday? Yeah, Exactly. Um, Hilton was given a three- to four-week timetable to return, so... You know, with those non-contact injuries, you feel fear the worst. Um, so, thankfully, this one is kind of week to week as well. Um, so, you know, hopefully, you got to think if the Colts can win a couple games here, get Brissett back in a couple weeks, get Hilton back in a couple weeks, they can keep things rolling. Um, in the game itself, center Ryan Kelly suffered a burner, which is a common nerve injury. Um, Trauma to the neck or shoulder area. It's pretty common in sports, specifically football. But um, he was able to return to the game for a little bit. Ended up being ruled out at halftime for the remainder of this game. 
Um, typically, these injuries aren't too serious. He should have a decent chance to play this Sunday, but we'll have to check back on him uh, throughout the week. But this was the first time a Colts offensive lineman missed a snap due to injury this season. You have to think that played a factor not only in pass protection, but they're able ability to run the ball as oh, well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, we always talk about that left side of the line, and we usually put Kelly in there because he's, you know, on the, on the, he's the center, but they're usually pushing everything to the left side there with uh, Quentin Nelson and Anthony Costanzo. Not having him in there is a, a big deal for that running game. And then, uh, you know, he's usually the guy making calls at the, the line and stuff. Protection. And protection and all that. So uh, when you lose your starting center in the, in the middle of the game, not that the Colts don't, you know, prepare their, their backups and such, but it's just there's, there's a skill level drop off to an ability drop off from player to player because Ryan Kelly was a first round draft pick. And unfortunately, he has been a guy who has been uh, sort of hit by the injury bug here and there for the Colts. Um, over the past few seasons, but uh, when he's in there, there's really nobody better in the league. Yeah, he's one of the best centers in the league while he's in there. You have to hope he's able to come back soon as well. Josh Andrews replaced him, really didn't see any glaring plays in which Andrews, you know, completely whiffed or anything like that. But like you said, that there's going to be a drop-off. Well, it, it's just like when, you know, I liked Evan Bame last last season when, when he would fill in for you know, uh, Kelly on on occasion, you didn't see a, a huge, huge drop-off, but you also know that maybe the team's not doing maybe the things that they would normally do as much if they've got somebody else different in there. Absolutely. Um, so the Colts uh, lose this game. They're now 0-6 uh, in games that T.Y. Hilton has missed since he was drafted in 2012. Kind of tells you a lot about the impact he brings to the game, not only his game-changing plays, but how the defense has to account for them, and that really opens some other people up. Uh, All around in this game, the Colts played sloppy football. After the contest, Frank Wright said, quote, we had too many penalties, too many mistakes, and too many turnovers to overcome on the road. Um, And boy, was that the truth. This was the eighth straight game for the Colts, decided by seven points or fewer. They had three turnovers, and those turnovers led to 17 Pittsburgh points. Uh, none of which was more demoralizing than a 96-yard interception returned for a touchdown by Pittsburgh's Minka Fitzpatrick. Um, it was Brian Hoyer driving the Colts down the field like he did um, several times in this game, targeting Jack Doyle in the end zone, and really he telegraphed this one all the oh, way. Yeah. And yep. Minka, very good player, read it and took advantage of it. Well, that's kind of what Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, that's what he's kind of, uh, Patrick, excuse me, has kind of made his bones in the NFL uh, here, you know, and and uh, being, a, being a turnover guy, yeah. uh, being one of those guys who sort of squats in and, and, and makes things happen. And he, he did that to the Colts at a key moment. I mean, that, that's the thing about this particular game is the, the three turnovers they had, they were all killer. They all led to points. And you take one of those mistakes away from the, the game and, and the Colts win this one. And there are a lot of things you can say about this game, you know, whether it's extra points and, and stuff like that being missed and, and field goals at the end of the game. And, and we'll get into that some more. But that's, you know, sloppiness, uh, penalties. I think at one point they were in a third and 24 or something like that that I remember on offense. And just, yeah, I, I just a complete Jekyll and Hyde kind of performance from this team in penalties the last two weeks from what we saw in the first few weeks of the season. Absolutely. You know, Prior to the Broncos game, you were saying the Colts aren't beating themselves, they're not making yeah. mistakes, and they're let, allowing other teams 
um, to make those mistakes, and the Colts are capitalizing. Um, over the last two games, uh, the Colts have had, let's see, where's my stat here, 17 penalties for 192 yards. Um, in their first six games, they were penalized just 33 times for 244 yards. So um, Frank Wright and the coaching staff, they definitely have their work to do to clean things up. Um, I'll, I'll, there's a lot of young players playing, specifically rookies. Colts have um, one of the highest snap counts in the entire league as far as rookies playing, and that definitely factors into it. Um, but regardless, that, that, that many penalties is inexcusable and something that they have to clean up if they hope to win these close games going forward. Well, and, and this one was just a, a killer. This is not a particularly great Pittsburgh team. It's it's a, it's a road game, too. It's it's hard to win on the road in the NFL. It doesn't matter who you're playing. And they had it. It was right there for them to go even as badly as they played and the mistakes and the turnovers and kind of giving the, the points to the Steelers. They still had the chance to win this game at the end, and they didn't pull it off. It's just got to kill you. You're going to look back at this game in four or five weeks, and you're going to look at the, you know, assuming that, you know, the Brissett's okay and, and the Colts are able to hold the line as far as the record goes, you're going to look at their playoff position, what they're jockeying for, and you're going to be like, man, it would really be nice to have that extra win. Now, you'd say the same thing about the Chargers game at the beginning of the year, too, Bucks and that game, Oakland game, game as well. Uh, but this one especially because they had this one in hand and just despite all the, the, the mistakes that they made and they still could have won it and they didn't and it's it's going to hurt them. Yeah, yeah, a couple more uh, points that the Steelers scored off of Colts turnovers. Uh, Colts went for it on fourth down at the Steelers' 35-yard line. Uh, Brian Hoyer's sack fumble led to a Mason Rudolph a touchdown pass to Vance McDonald. And then really another demoralizing one off of a uh, safety that the Colts had just gotten. Uh, Justin Houston made a great play to sack Mason Rudolph in the end zone. He fumbled. It was recovered by Pittsburgh. Um, on the return, Chester Rogers coughs it up, and that led to a Pittsburgh field goal. So 17 of Pittsburgh's 26 points were off of turnovers. And then you had the uh, the field goal right before the half right. off of a penalty, penalty called on Darius Leonard, which it wasn't egregious. He didn't like completely just jack up uh, the Pittsburgh. I believe it was Vance McDonald, but the play was over. He play, was play held was done. Up. It's just one of those things, and I I get it. Like Darius Leonard's a guy who's always on eleven as far as things go. And he wants to make sure that that play is done with and it's cleaned up. The th problem is, two or three of your teammates are already holding up the guy. They're not going. He's not going anywhere no. uh, in this particular case. There's no reason to rush in there and get him with your face mask like that. And you know, it, it wasn't the worst helmet to helmet hit I've ever seen, but it was a helmet to helmet hit. It was an unnecessary helmet to helmet hit. And that allowed them to get points up on the board, or at least uh, it gave them the chance to have points on the board, and then Pittsburgh capitalized on it to their credit. They don't have those three points before halftime. Again, we're talking about a completely different complexion at the end of the ballgame. Yeah, so that's, that's at least four scoring drives for Pittsburgh that were set up by Colts' mistakes um, that really, really just killed them on this one. Uh, this game in particular, the Colts had seven penalties for 89 yards we already uh, talked about Leonard's late hit on McDonald um, there was a 26 yarder um, 
that Pittsburgh made another field goal that they made with six minutes and 36 seconds remaining. Um, it was set up by a flag by Colts cornerback Marvell Tell, a 24-yard pass interference flag. So mistakes abound in this game really handed Pittsburgh the win. Now, now was that the one that Coach Reich challenged? I believe I, I believe that was. That I mean, they had they had no chance to nah. get that overturned, and I, I don't know why you. When you're at that point of the ball game, your timeouts are really really valuable. The chance of winning the the challenge is very very low. So I think I would have overvalued the timeout over trying to get the ball. Yeah, I, get get the penalty nullified. I really hope the NFL gets rid of allowing coaches to challenge penalties next year because it's just a headache. You don't so. F- you know, you see a clear one, you think it's clearly pass interference, they challenge it, they don't reverse it, they have reversed a couple, um, including uh, one that helped the Colts right. in the Broncos game. But uh, this just needs to be from upstairs. There just needs to be a ref upstairs who, if there's an egregious miscall or a bad call, who can phone on down to the other referees and go, guys... We messed this one up. We need to overturn this. I don't think it should be in the coach's hands. And then it, it, we were laughing before the show because Mike Tomlin then sort of compounded this issue because uh, they got called for a, a pass interference on the Colts. Uh, I think it was Pascal that was trying to get to the ball, and it was way, way overthrown. Over his way head. overthrown. And I, I don't think I don't like them to call a ball uncatchable because, like, if a guy doesn't get pulled down or interfered with, then you don't really know. However, that ball was pretty well beyond beyond him. But Tomlin challenged that one and of course that one stood and a couple plays later he tried to challenge offensive pass interference and if anything on that play when I looked at it it looked like it was if it was going to be anything it was going to be defensive pass interference that just looked like a good play (laughs) you know so um yeah that that you're right I, I think they just need to put that back into the hands of the officials and stop getting the coaches involved because I do believe uh, that that second flag that <laughs> Tomlin just pretty much threw that out of spite. Yeah. <laughs> the, the second challenge flag. <laughs> I think he was just mad at that point. But yeah, it, and really this was another poorly officiated game oh, throughout. I mean, you I had agree. the what they called unnecessary roughness, another one on Leonard for pushing uh Pittsburgh Steeler out of bounds where I really didn't think it was a late push. I mean, he had the the offensive player has his hand in his face mask, giving him a stiff arm. I, I don't think it was unreasonable for Leonard to then continue and push him out of bounds. It's well, not like yeah. he drove him into the ground yeah. or anything. I was going like it, it, to say it's not like he gave a, a gigantic shove to you know and, and decleated the guy or something like that. It was just kind of a uh, he was just put, finishing put, the play, finishing the play, pushing him out of bounds. I. I I didn't think that was an appropriate flag either. And then it didn't really end up having a huge impact on the game, but then uh, the call on Bobby Okariki on the punt return, I mean, that it was a hard hit, but that's as clean as you can hit a guy. I mean, his face was up, shoulder into, yeah. I believe it was Ryan Switzer, the punt returner for Pittsburgh. But, I mean, the, the refereeing in the NFL this season has just been egregious, and it is hurting their product, to be honest. Well, I mean, it's, gosh... It, this game was tough to watch for, you know, some of the reasons being that it was a sloppy game. Colts didn't play well. Yeah. Uh, but on top of that is your the, the officiating. It just felt like every 30 seconds we were having to stop and uh, dele- you, you stop to discuss a penalty. What is this for? Why are we throwing this flag? And then sometimes you see those replays and you're like, why did you guys throw that? It, it didn't make a lot of sense, some of those. Well, and it's, it's got to be embarrassing for the league because they have it on the broadcast. Um, they have a former referee, Mike Pereira, I believe his name is, go, 
half the time he's like, I, I have no idea why they called that flag. Oh, they blatantly missed this. I mean, they're just trashing their own product in front of millions of people. And the NFL's got to get this figured out. But refereeing was certainly not why the Colts lost this game at all. Oh, it was no, bad no, 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 it was bad. It was it was equally terrible yes. <laughs> on both sides of the ball. But I just mean from a, a I, we just mean from a football fan watching the game standpoint, just miserable to see these flags come out all the time. Really is. Um, something else that's been miserable is the Colts pass protection, you know, back to back weeks. Uh, the Colts have given up nine sacks over the last two weeks total, five sacks um, Sunday against Pittsburgh in specific, and nine quarterback hits. Now, the Steelers and the Broncos are two of the better teams at getting after the quarterback. Uh, Pittsburgh in particular, but Broncos have, you know, Von Miller, one of the right, yeah. probable Hall of Famer. Um, but the Colts' offensive line is one that's been touted as one of the best in the league, and they have not been uh, living up to that now that they're going against some of the better pass rushers in the NFL. Yeah, I, I mean that's that's the thing. We've I guess we've been drinking the Kool Aid on them from the beginning of the season about because they they were they were great at times last year. Um, they were not great against the Kansas City in the playoffs, but for the most part, uh, that's a solid unit and you can rely on them. But man, the last couple weeks. They've been exposed a little bit, and I, I don't know exactly. Like, I could tell you that with Denver, a lot of it had to do with they had good secondary playback there, so that kind of extends the amount of time you've got to protect your quarterback. Here, it just felt like they were just getting in, they were just getting through guys, past guys, around guys, and getting right to the quarterback. And it didn't help that, like we mentioned at the top of the show, if Brissett's in there, he's probably able to shrug off a couple of these. Yeah. But I still think I still think Denver or uh, Pittsburgh finishes with at least three, three, four sacks. You know, in, in this game, even with Brissett in there. Absolutely. I mean, they had you know T.J. Watt. One of I feel like people don't talk about T.J. Watt as one of the best pass rushers in the league, but he really is. He had a sack and a half in this game. Uh, linebacker Bud Dupree had a couple, and then they got um, kind of creative with some blitzes. Uh, slot corner blitz. Mike Hilton came in and mm-hmm. got one. Uh, Mark Barron, who they use as a linebacker, but really he's a safety, entered the league as a safety. He got uh, half a sack as well. So Pittsburgh not only just letting their pass rushers beat the man in front of them, but getting creative with it as well. Really gave the Colts fits up there. Um, and, I mean, you know, another week talking about uh, struggles in the kicking game. Man, I really wish the storyline would – just go away that we have to talk about this every week, but we had to talk about it last week. I know, I know Adam Vinatieri was the hero with the 55 and the 51 yarder, you AFC know, that, that he hit player of the week. AFC special teams player of the week. Um, but you know, this week, you know, this is one where I can't necessarily say that the kicking game lost it for them because the, the Colts were bad in all phases. Yeah, had a chance to win it for them, but they, they had a chance to win it for them. And, Let's play a little if, because we love to play the if-then game. If the first extra point doesn't get blocked, the Colts don't have to go for two later in the game. Let's assume they hit that extra point. Then we're, we're, we're kicking at a tie game here to break a tie, as opposed to the whole game rides on this kick. And with as unsteady as Vinatieri has been, you know... I. I thought last week, for instance, when they when they lined up and and they kicked the long field goal, I'm like, you know what? I think he's gonna I think he's gonna nail this one. It was good. This one was a lot closer, and I'm like, I, I just had this feeling. In my gut, the way the game had gone for them, 
the fact that he'd had the other extra point blocked, I'm like, I, I, I bet he's something's going to go wonky with this one. Yeah, and of course it did. Yeah, the extra point was blocked. It was really a low kick, um, not quite as high of trajectory you would think yeah. on those um, extra points there. That was Adam Benatieri's fifth missed extra point of the season. That is a career high for him. Um, or a career low, yeah. <laughs> Depend upon how you want to look at very it. Very true. That's a good way to put it. Um, he also missed a 43 would-be game winner field goals shank to the left. Um, looking at it again on replay, show uh, was not a clean a- operation as Wright described it after the game. Um, holder Rigoberto Sanchez left the laces facing in for Vinatieri. Former Colts punter Pat McAfee talked about it after the game. He said, quote, literally no chance when talking about Adam and Terry on that last field goal. Um, he describes it as having the laces in means that the ball hangs on your foot a little bit longer. And so it gets pulled as you're driving through and kicking it. It got pulled. It got pulled. All right. Um, so it's really, you know, between the block and the laces being in difficult to pin it all on Vinatieri, but just... Those two misses combined with the rest of the season, you got to be upset as a Colts fan that kicking is one of the things that's costing you games. Well, it it, it did cost them. Like I said, they did not play well, but this did cost them points, and it did it cost them the, the chance to win it there at the end. And again, this wouldn't be a big deal if weeks one and two hadn't happened, mm-hmm. and and last week didn't happen. The problem is. It's been a continual problem during the entire season. You just can't rely on the greatest of all time to hit a, hit a, an extra point that should just be a cake for him, and it's not right now. I don't know if if there's you know a physical decline. I don't really think there is. I don't know if there's just uh, he's playing mental gymnastics with himself. I mean, because I know they're going to explain this one away. Oh well, it was it was a bad operation, but we've had good operations and still missed kicks. So, uh, you know, from from a guy who has, you know, I don't want to I don't want to cast any aspersions at at Adam Vinatieri because he's been a great kicker for the Colts, he's been a great kicker in the NFL, he's going to be a Hall of Fame guy, but it's hurting the football team. Yeah, he he's the greatest kicker of all time, but he's far from the greatest kicker at this time. Yeah. And and you know, guy the guys on the Thursday show, Chapel and Dave, they like to rag on me about my Made up hatred for Adam Vinatieri. <laughs> it's I, a running theme. It, in the show. It's a running joke. I, I have nothing against Vinatieri, but before the season, I left him off the top ten list because he missed kicks last year as well. Kansas was, City game always comes to mind. There, he was not automatic last year, and the decline has continued into this season. And I don't think, uh, unless it gets worse from here. I don't think the answer is to cut Vinatieri because there's really no better options. Look at teams like Chicago who have been looking for a kicker forever. Mm-hmm. But going into next season, you, you got to think the Colts will be looking for a new kicker and Vinatieri, you know, 46 years old, 20, however many years in the league. It, it, it's probably about time for him call it quits. What more does he have to accomplish and prove at this point? I, I know that he would have lo- loved to have won another Super Bowl. But you know, if this team plays like it played yesterday, that's not gonna that's not really gonna happen for him. And yeah, I, I don't foresee, and we'll, we'll see. I could be wrong. Maybe everything goes together in the stars line or, or what whatever. But I don't think we're gonna have that 
drama in the offseason of are the Colts going to re-sign Vinny on a, on a one-year deal and keep him around? Does he want to play one more year? I, I don't know. I don't think that we're going to have that drama. It, it, it doesn't seem like we will. I mean, who knows? Maybe he doesn't miss another kick for the rest of the year. I would love to see Could that be. There's still There is still a lot of football left. Maybe something comes out later where he's been dealing with some kind of injury that's been messing with him. Um, he hasn't popped up on any injury reports, Mm-mm. so I wouldn't suspect that. But you never know. But you certainly have to speculate that this is probably Adam Vinatieri's last year in the league. And what a great career it's been. That'll certainly be a fun talking point. Um, if and when he does announce his retirement. But all the bad in this game, there was some good. It's not like the Colts went out and gave a complete stinker out there. Um, One of the good things that happened is Justin Houston continues to be worth the money that Chris Ballard paid to him in the offseason. He had another sack. The sack, like we talked about, led to that safety. It was sack fumble recovered in the end zone. Um, That was his... Fifth sack in the last four games. He leads the Colts with six on the season. You certainly have to feel good about Justin Houston. And, you know, as long as he stays healthy, he looks like he's still a stud that he's always been. Well, I know some people raise maybe some eyebrows but based on his age and the fact the Colts didn't have a lot there at pass rush and maybe they overpaid him and such. But, I mean, it's like you said, it's paying off for him. Uh, he is getting in the backfield a lot and making some game-changing plays. Um while the result of the safety, the, the thing that just drives me nuts about the safety is that that momentum of that game had sort of shifted over to the Steelers. Then the Colts down that punt at the one yard line, a great play by, was it uh, Ashland Doolin? Yeah, he, he went into the end zone, came back though, established himself with the two feet and down at the one, yeah. really Really nicely done. Then, then they gave up kind of a not not like a super long run, but kind of a run to give the Pittsburgh Steelers a little bit of breathing room. And then after that, they collapse the pocket. They they get the sack fumble. They're not able to get the fumble. Which again, if they could have recovered the fumble, just one of those things didn't bounce their way. But they could have gotten a touchdown out of that. The kickoff, the free kick. Colts have some sort of miscommunication. They cough the ball up. And all that momentum that they had just they had just swung that momentum they had just swung the Steelers away and that pendulum just swings right back over toward Pittsburgh because they they can't just do a simple thing and field a kick. Yeah, it goes from having the chance to recover the fumble in the end zone for a defensive touchdown to okay safety this is great we'll get the two points and the ball back and maybe we'll score a touchdown on offense and it'll be even better than the defensive touchdown and they just fumble it and all like you said all the momentum (laughs) that the Colts thought they just got right back to Pittsburgh play the sad trombone the the air is right out of the balloon whatever you want to call it It just collapsed yeah yeah really if you want to put this game you can put this game on the offense because the defense played themselves a good game as they should have against the undermanned uh, offense in Pittsburgh with all the injuries they've got but um, Anthony Walker and Darius Leonard were very active. Ten tackles for Walker, nine for Leonard. Um, everyone talks about Leonard. No one talks about Walker. Together, they're one of the better linebacking duos in the NFL. I love watching Anthony Walker play, man. Uh, even even when Leonard was out, I thought that Walker played admirably in his spot. And uh, he may not have the the physical maniac tools that Leonard does, but that guy knows where to be and yeah. makes the play most and, of the time. And he gets there quickly, too. He, he can move as well. Um, another guy who's definitely a defensive player of the game candidate, Kenny Moore, 
eight tackles, uh, first interception of the season on that tip pass. I believe it was intended for Juju Smith-Schuster. Yes, yeah. Kind of went off his fingertips yeah. there. Uh, Kenny Moore was in the right place at the right time. Uh, as a unit, the defense surrendered just 273 total yards. Um, they well, what more can you do? I mean, even with that fumble that we talked about with Chester Rogers on the kick, uh, on the kickoff there after the safety, that put the defense in another bad position, but they stiffened up and they held them to a field goal. Yeah, I mean, you can't ask much more no, from you the can't. defense. They forced uh, Pittsburgh to dink and dunk the whole game. I think their running back had like 15 catches. He, yes, he did. It, it was yeah, it was somewhere in there. Yeah, it was it was 13. I, he was on my fantasy team, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the Steelers had just four four and a half yards per play. Uh, Colts forced two takeaways. Um, so y- you got to be happy with everything the Colts did on defense. Offense, it wasn't all terrible. Marlon Mack had a solid day, 89 yards on 21 carries, over four point yards per clip. Uh, currently, he's eighth in the NFL with 679 rushing yards. Uh, we'll see if that stands. Ezekiel Elliott still plays tonight, so that might bump Mack down to ninth there. Um, but they're still running the ball good, not great, but you got to think that in order for it to become great, they need a little more out of their passing. Game. Yeah, yeah. And and that wasn't there at times this week. Um, Mac probably could have had a 150-yard day uh, if they could have gotten a little bit more. Um, they just they had to play catch-up so much. So they, they sort of stuck with the run game. They didn't completely abandon it, but they didn't commit. I don't want to say they didn't commit to it, but that wasn't the basis of their offense, yeah. I guess is what I'm trying to yeah. say. And. It's been a few weeks since we've seen Marlon Mack rip off those big runs. Right. Yeah. I mean, his style is kind of four, five, four, three, eight, bam, 60 yarder. He's down the field. We haven't had that 60 yarder come yet. You got to wonder if defenses are just cheating a little bit because they're not worried about TY getting behind them. The Colts really don't have much other playmakers on offense someone that they hope can become more of a playmaker and really had his um arguably his best game of the oh, season yes yes with with unfortunately this week comes with an asterisk because as did everything the <laughs> everything did. that, that came with one of those this week yeah but paris campbell uh 80 yards from scrimmage 53 receiving uh 27 yards of it rushing uh would have been great if he could just stop fumbling the football. <laughs> Hold on to the ball. He put two of them on the ground. Thankfully the Colts um regained both of them. But one of them on I believe it was the screen pass where he's running up the field and there's just nothing but grass and Colts blockers in front of him and the turf monster reached yep, up and got turf him. Turf monster reached one of those big old green hands up and tripped him. It it almost feels like he gets to running too fast sometimes and gets too excited and just the simple things. Get <laughs> then he, in then his he own compounded way. it by the ball flying. Out ball of flies bounds. out. I mean, it was it's kind of an embarrassing play for him. Actually, that was one of the things that did bounce the Colts' way. Yes. Is it ended up rolling out at like the one instead of going into the, into end, the zone end zone touchback. So that was fortunate for the Colts. They ended up scoring on that drive. Was, but, was um, his other? Did he cough it up then on a kickoff return? Was that his other that, one? That was on the return, and yeah. pa- Zach Pascal, Johnny on the spot, dove on picked it, picked it up. Pascal had what you know. I know he had the two touchdown, hundred yard game earlier. This was his most impressive game in my eyes because they weren't just trick plays where they fooled the defense. Right, they didn't out scheme him. They, he. Did some stuff, man. He made plays. He actually looked like, you know, the makings of a 
number one or two receiver there. He had the incredible catch on the sideline. Um, he had the very impressive uh, touchdown reception. It's high, which is where it should have been to keep away from the defender, but not a routine catch by any stretch of the imagination. Pascal finished with uh, five catches on six targets for 76 yards and a touchdown. He's really blossoming this season. I think so, and, and there there have been a couple of really good stories about Zach Pascal, one in the star and one in uh, the athletic. Just kind of, you know, this kid's desire and drive and love of football and how, you know, his, his dream was to play in the NFL and he wanted to play Division I football. He played at Old Dominion. You know, he wanted to be drafted and get drafted, got cut by a couple of teams. And so, you know, he was always just like, what can I, what can I do to, you know, to play and, and, and get in there? And like, well, you got you, you to run block. So he becomes like this great run blocker in the, in the passing game. And he's like, well, no, what can I do now? Well, now you got you to gotta run good routes. Well, you know, a couple of times uh, last year, I remember they were talking about a textbook route that Zach Pascal ran. And he's just Mr. Reliable. And now Mr. Reliable is starting to make some plays. And just you can't be happier for a guy. Oh, yeah. To be like that. You, you always love to see those guys who are always underappreciated and work and scratch and crawl uh, their way to the top and really grind to get there. He was the only Colts receiver to play more than 65% of the snaps on Sunday. Uh, he played 94. So, really, fu- without Funches, without T.Y., Pascal is showing he's somebody who can be relied on. Maybe not to be a playmaker in every game. So he's not he's not your stretch-the-field guy. No, absolutely not. But he's at least reliable. And, I mean, Colts have to think they found themselves at least maybe a third or fourth receiver going forward. I mean, between him and Paris Campbell and Deion Kane. Chester Rogers, who who do you want the ball going to right now? You want it to go to Pascal, certainly, certainly Pascal, because Chester, who's who's been fairly solid most of the time, uh, but he had a couple key drops. They had six drops, drop passes in, in this game. And... You know, he had that he had on that on that free kick. Um, we did have a Deion Kane sighting. He dropped a pass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Deion's been a. Uh... Quite the disappointment. Yeah. Keep, I keep waiting for Deion Kane to happen. I thought, oh, Ty's out this week. It's going to be the week for Deion Kane. But yeah, uh, one time, one of these days, don't stop believing is going to. I won't be playing that song. <laughs> he's uh, he, he's certainly what you call a, a broke back for sure because it's just so hard to quit Deion Kane. He just looks so <laughs> good out there. He's got the speed. He's got the size. He, everything except. Catching the ball, except the production. Getting, yeah, he's got all the tools, up. except the production. And, and I mean, that's we we go, talked about at the beginning of the show. But when you don't have Ty Hilton there on offense, even if Ty is eighty five percent, seventy five percent, he's going to draw attention on defense, and that's going to create opportunities for other guys. Where the Colts have had trouble is capitalizing on those types of situations, even with Ty in the game. Now that Ty is not in there, and they're not having to uh, you know scheme for him makes the defense's job just a little bit easier for the other team. Absolutely. They don't really defenses facing the Colts without T.Y. Hilton. There's no one that they have to worry about as a pass catcher. I no, mean, no, I mean it, maybe there is, but that person has not stood up and done it. Yet. Yeah. You, you know what? Yeah. We haven't seen anybody take that mantle up and and be that game breaker for the Colts yet. And and I, I would say, you know, they're midway through the season now. They've played eight games. If they haven't stepped up yet, you know they're probably not going to. Although we did see some flashes from Paris Campbell uh, of being a guy that you can just move him around, you know, do different things in the offense, get him involved a little bit in the running game with you know some some jet sweeps st- stuff like that, get him involved in the screen game. Maybe he will break a play. 
when he held on to the ball, when he, he held on, to the ball. it was apparent how fast he was. I mean, there was a few plays where I'm like, "There's no way he gets the edge there," and he gets it, got he, the edge, and he gets around. So he has track speed. If he can just hold on to the ball, settle down out there. Uh, the good thing for this Colts receiving group is that they're very young. Uh, Pascal's the most experienced of Kane or Campbell. Um, and, and he's young himself. So they have room to grow into their own. But for a Colts team who wanted to make some noise this season, uh, it's making it a little tough out there. Um, Brian Hoyer, I thought, gave Colts fans reason for optimism should Jacoby Brissett have to miss some time. He did go 17 of 26 for 163 yards passing. Three touchdowns, uh, including, you know, his first pass of the game, touchdown to Jack Doyle, made it look really easy there. But it was really just the two turnovers, specifically the pick six. But those are really the killers that really did the Colts in. If, you know, they were kind of talking during the broadcast, you got to wonder how many um, practice snaps Hoyer's even had with the first team because... Brissett, you know, I'm sure they're trying to get him all the snaps and reps they can. Kobe's been the guy, so what's left for Hoyer? I mean, that's always the question for your backup quarterback. Yeah, and I mean, he was acquired before the start of the season, and I, you know, he's had a couple months to learn the playbook and all of that, but you got to think he'll clean up a few of those turnovers if he is a starter next week against Miami, just because he'll get the opportunity to practice throughout the week. Um, probably, a, probably be a little sharper. A little sharper. I, I think. A, a, and still, absolutely. at times, he looked super sharp in this game. But yeah. then he, he made a couple of, you know, he had, he had some blunders, which I guess is going to happen, I guess, when you get thrust in the middle of a, a game. But, um, I mean, I don't think Brian Hoyer is a guy that you want to – you want to sit and, and watch 16 games from him in a season. No. But if you need to get through two or three games for a, a guy, I, I think it's a pretty good option. I really do. I mean, he's probably a top five, at least top ten backup quarterback in the NFL as far as, you know, like you said, not long-term potential, but you need a guy to win a few games. Brian Horner's done that. He started plenty of the games in the NFL. Um one of his MOs, though, is he's not afraid to push the ball and take some chances down the field, and you saw that pay off with some touchdowns, mm-hmm. and you yep. saw that. Saw it go to an interception when he tried to shove a ball in there that shouldn't have gone in. No, so. he really looked that one down. Um, but let's move on. Um, despite the loss, we'll still do offensive and defensive players of the game. Uh, I'll let you go first with the offensive player of the game. For me, this one's pretty easy. Uh, we talked about him eff- effusively, Zach Paschal. Just... Uh, I guess I'm on the, the Zach Pascal train. I love watching the guy play. He's gotten better and better each year. He's played with the Colts and better and better with each game. That's, yeah. and, and the sideline catch he made was uh, just a thing of beauty. And uh, I think, like I said, his story of being this guy just wants to be really, really good, and he's getting there is tremendous. I got to agree with you as well. Uh, if I had to give it to somebody, I would give it to Pascal. Uh, a couple of the guys who stood out, I thought Marlon Mack played well throughout oh, yeah. the game. Yeah. I mean, Steelers' run defense is one of the better in the NFL, and there were a few times he made something out of nothing yes, there. Yes, he did. Yes, um, he did. We talked about the Colts' offensive line not playing their best on Sunday, so if they would have been able to stick with Mack and ride him a little bit more, you, you got to think they get some more good plays out of that. Sometimes we take him for granted a little bit because uh, he's developed into one of the better 
running backs in the league. And we just kind of, oh, yeah, that's what that's what Marlon Mack does. You almost you know? expect 100 yeah. yards. You go, well, between this offensive line and Marlon Mack, they should be getting 100 yeah. yards per game. But um, those used to be rare games for the Colts yes. not yes, too long did. ago. So uh, Marlon Mack definitely played well on defensive side of the ball. I got to give it to Kenny Moore. I mean, he had the eight tackles, which is, you know, just too off from the team lead. He had the interception, um, right place, right time on that one, but he made the play. Mm-hmm. I mean, how had many... a nice little return out of it, too. He did. And he they did. didn't get penalized on the return, so we'll, we'll give which, him credit for that. Which You, you always got to look around <laughs> for afterwards. Um, yeah, every time a team scores a touchdown anymore, you're like waiting for the little flag icon to, to pop up on the screen. Yeah, you're looking around. But it's always the worst when uh, it's like a touchdown and the, you know, the guy starts dancing. I, I forget who it was last week, but it was, somebody was doing the worm. <laughs> And it might have been Aaron Jones for the Packers, but he was doing the worm and the flag was called. He didn't realize he just looked like a fool out there. <laughs> but yeah, I, I got to go Kenny Moore. How about you? Uh, I, I Kenny Moore's good choice. Uh, I think I'll go Anthony Walker. Uh, just, just because, I mean, we can't give it to Darius Leonard every single week. Plus, Darius had a couple of a penalties. A couple penalties. I, I know the second one was shouldn't have been a penalty. Uh, the first one really did hurt him. Uh, but just the fact that Anthony Walker seems to be wherever the ball is and uh, is just seems to always be there and, and not be the highly touted guy on the team, I, I just I love that. And what do you have, 10 tackles, I think, in this game? Walker had 10. Yep. 10, yeah. And so so that, nine, that would be my so. defensive player of the game. Yeah, no, can't go wrong with that one either. Um, around the AFC South, this game certainly has large implications for how the division is shaking out because now the Texans are on top. Uh, Texans are 6-3. and three. They have not had their bye yet. Uh, they actually have their bye this coming week. I was going to say, that's the, the thing is, if the Colts can beat the Dolphins this week, then they'll be 6-3, and three, both those teams, and the Colts would have the head-to-head the tiebreaker. tiebreaker. Yep, so the, uh, for the moment, the Texans right, are yeah, back yeah. on top of the division, but there's certainly a long way to go here. Um, they beat Jacksonville in London. If you got up early enough to watch that game, you saw Deshaun Watson play well again. He went 22 of 28 for 201 yards, two passing touchdowns, added another 37 yards on the ground. Carlos Hyde, who has really been... A great acquisition for the Texans. I mean, they just keep pounding him. He goes for a buck sixty on nineteen carries, and uh, you know Minshew mania. Gardner Minshew more like look like Gardner Minshew in this Ooh. game. Uh, I feel kind of regret saying that already, but I don't. <laughs> you only live once, Joe. <laughs> yeah, might as well go for it. Uh, he was twenty-seven of forty-seven. Did have three hundred nine yards, but two interceptions. Uh, not what you want to see out of the rookie, especially on a defense that's beaten up and hasn't really played that great this we, year. We always import our best across the pond, don't we? That's right. Um, so we, uh, the whole quarterback controversy, Minshew or Nick Foles, if Minshew keeps playing like this, there won't be much of a controversy by the time Foles is ready to come back. Uh, the Tennessee Titans fell to 4-5 and five as well, joining the Jacksonville Jaguars in that standing. Uh, they lost in Carolina to the Panthers, who are now 5-3. and three. Um, They just couldn't contain Christian McCaffrey, which not many teams can. It's been hard. It's been difficult for just about everyone this year. He had 160 yards, three touchdowns on 27 total touches. You have to think uh, McCaffrey is in there for the MVP running, especially if Carolina makes the playoffs without Cam Newton. Um, 
And that'd be something I root for. I mean, I, I always kind of root for the when a running back has a great year. I want him to get the MVP because it's always a quarterback. It's kind of like the defense for Heisman. You want to see something different. You want to see Chase Young win the Heisman because when's the last time a defensive player got it? I'd love to see McCaffrey and a running back win the MVP, but we'll have to see. Well, in, in a league that's set up for just able to put up all kinds of crazy passing numbers to have a running back be this dominant, You'd like to see him get recognized for that it's because impressive. it's it's a rare thing these days. I believe Adrian Peterson was the last running back to take home MVP honors. Um, and that was got to be close to 10 years ago. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, been a while. Uh, Tennessee had three turnovers, including two Ryan Tannehill interceptions. Tannehill was sacked four times, did throw for 331 yards, threw a touchdown, ran one in as well. So, But but we're ready to have Marcus Mariota back now, right? That, a- after after the <laughs> last week, it was Ryan Tannehill is the answer for Tennessee that we've all been waiting for. And then, you know, they lose, to, they lose to Carolina and he had a couple turnovers. Maybe he's not the answer in, you know what? in Tennessee. So, something's telling me the answer is C, none of the above. <laughs> none of the above. Yeah. I, think you're, I think you're right on with that one. Um, but uh, thanks for listening, everybody. That'll wrap up our show here today. You'll have to join us on Thursday when I'm joined by Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. We will preview the Colts matchup in Indianapolis against the Miami Dolphins. Um, and hopefully by then we'll know a little bit more about these injuries to Jacoby Brissett. I would bet that we would. And then, like, last week you guys didn't hear probably about Hilton until after the show, right? It was until after the yeah, show. because that um, injury report usually comes out in the afternoon, so. Yeah, because it, it wasn't, they didn't put it on the Wednesday injury report, yeah. even though the That's when he got hurt. injury happened yeah. Wednesday. Maybe they just didn't know the full extent Could of the be. injury till later, but... Regardless, um, we should know more about Brissett by then, and we'll break it all down for you on the Blue Zone. You can follow the Colts Blue Zone on Twitter, at Colts Blue Zone. You can follow me on Twitter, at Roto Street Joe. You can follow Matt on Twitter, at Stato Matty. And thanks for listening. This has been the Blue Zone.